Hi, and welcome back to the Action Wellness Podcast. This is the Naturopath Corner with me, Maya, the Naturopath. So, first of all, I want to apologize for being gone for a while. Um, to be completely honest, uh, some of you might know I moved to the UK, and apparently, with moving countries, setting up a new practice, and finding a new home, and all of that joy, um, something had to give. I could not keep juggling everything the way I was, and so I'm sorry for having taken such a long break, but I am back now. And you may know if you also follow the blog that I have been still blogging, I just haven't turned the blogs into podcasts the way I normally do. So if you want to catch up, um, you can head over to the website, which is www.myanaturopathy.co.uk. I will link for that in the show notes and that's where you can find all of uh, the blog posts since whenever I was last available to podcast but as I said settled in now feeling better and ready to go. So what I want to talk to you today is uh, about is understanding anti-nutrients. You might have heard, if you are the same kind of nerd as I am, that in the last few weeks we've heard a lot about anti-nutrients, they've made some headlines, and so you may be wondering what are these anti-nutrients and why should I pay any attention and how do I stop them from being anti-nutrients? So start by understanding what this means. Essentially, anti-nutrients are substances in food that reduce the absorption of essential vitamins and minerals. Um, We know that all foods contain nutrients, but what we might not know is that some plant foods, uh, these include grains and seeds and nuts and uh, beans and lentils, they also contain compounds that act as a form of defense mechanism in the plant. So essentially in the plant, it helps it protect from infections and consumption by animals and insects. But when we consume them, we can potentially interfere with the body's ability to absorb essential vitamins and minerals. So whilst these foods are healthy and they contain the foods and minerals, they might also contain what is stopping us from absorbing them. So these, um, these anti-nutrients can include um, phytates, which are the most common anti-nutrients, and they can be found in grains and, le- and legumes, usually uh, in the hulls of nuts and seeds and grains. Um, they have a strong binding affinity for several minerals like zinc and calcium, magnesium, iron and copper, and they may potentially limit that absorption. There are also lectins. All plant foods contain these to different degrees, um, but they are present in greater quantities in grains and legumes, and they have the potential to interfere with absorption of minerals such as iron, calcium, zinc, and phosphorus. There's oxalates, which are commonly found in cocoa, dark leafy greens, nuts, seeds, and they bind to calcium. So they are particularly problematic in those who struggle with kidney stones which are usually the people who already know about oxalates. Um, 
There's also tannins, which are polyphenols, which are found in foods and drinks, most commonly tea and coffee. Um, they're also found in some fruit. What these can do is impair digestive enzyme activation, uh, protein digestibility, and iron absorption, which is why we recommend taking iron supplements two hours apart from hot drinks and from usually most foods, to be honest. Um, so what happens if you consume too many of these anti-nutrients? Well, if we consume higher levels, we can, it can lead to various health issues like reduced nutrient absorption, uh, gastrointestinal issues, inflammation, toxicity. This is most likely in people who are either very sensitive or really having huge quantities. And it's important to note that excessive consumption can vary, right? It's not the same for everyone. What means what? what excessive actually means so uh, it can differ based on age and gender and health status so what i also want you to know though is that these compounds aren't all bad some of these anti-nutrients have also been shown to have health benefits we know that um some of them can reduce blood glucose and insulin responses to starchy foods. We know, for example, that um, phytic acid has been related to reduced cancer risks, as well as lowering your cholesterol levels and slowing down your digestion. Um, how do we neutralize the effects of anti-nutrients? So there's a few ways of reducing or neutralizing the effects of anti-nutrients. These include soaking, sprouting, fermenting, cooking, and processing. And what these methods do is help improve the digestibility and the nutrient availability of foods that contain anti-nutrients. So we're not necessarily removing the good, we're just uh, allowing our food to be digested more effectively so the first method is soaking if you soak your um, legumes your beans and your lentils and your grains uh, prior to cooking it's a very basic and very effective uh, method to deactivate enzyme inhibitors these inhibitors contain anti-nutrients which are found in the outer layer and they're water soluble and that means they dissolve in water, so soaking the whole grains in water overnight um, or in water combined with something like lemon juice or apple cider vinegar, it's really effective method to counterbalance uh, phytic acid. It's also used uh, in conjunction with the other methods that we're going to talk about now. Um, so method number two is sprouting. Essentially, the, one of the most effective methods of neutralizing anti-nutrients, uh, particularly phytates and lectins. Most anti-nutrients serve as um, protective mechanisms for seeds. So they inhibit the sprouting until the ideal conditions are present. Sprouting, uh, therefore your grains, your seeds, your legumes, helps to lower the phytate content, decrease tannins, and enhance the nutrient availability. Method number three is fermentation, which you know has been used for thousands of years um, across lots of different cultures. 
the fermentation process serves to reduce uh, phytate and lectin levels. It also helps augment beneficial bacteria and nutrient density. De- oh, sorry, and nutrient density at the same time. So, for example, fermenting soy into tempeh or miso, mi- miso um, cabbage into sauerkraut or kimchi. Uh, whole grains into sourdough bread. It improves the digestion and the nutrient absorption. And also it is then rich in probiotic bacteria, which has also uh, been proven to sustain a balanced gut microbiome and provide a multitude of health benefits. I wrote a whole thing about... um, gut bacteria and the microbiome that is in a previous podcast episode as well so you can go back and check that out if you have any more questions about your microbiome and why it's important to keep that balanced method number four is boiling high heat cooking is a good way of decreasing the presence of lectins tannins and protease inhibitors so when you boil it Uh, as well as you can steam uh, Brussels sprouts or cauliflower, leafy greens. Um, We can see that it significantly reduces oxalate levels. Now, it's really important to remember that eating varied diet that's full of fruit and vegetables and beans and lentils and nuts and seeds is ultimately key to good health. So don't let the headlines of you should be avoiding anti-nutrients scare you away. Don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. That sounds like a creepy saying now that I've said it out loud. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you know what I mean. Anti-nutrients can have negative effects on health if consumed in excessive amounts, but including a variety of food in your diet and using methods to reduce or neutralize the effects of these anti-nutrients will allow you to ensure adequate nutrient intake and avoid excessive consumption. So that is it for today. I hope you found this interesting and engaging and I have missed you. It's good to be back. I will see you next week. Have a good one.